And it all comes back to getting in touch with where your food comes from and how it's grown. And if we want the next generation to be healthier than ours, they need to get back in touch with the roots of where food comes from. And I think, you know, when we were growing up or anyone, you know, for the past 50 years in America, we were very out of touch with our food. But like I said before, I grew up with thinking food came from a box or a plastic bag. And I didn't really think of it as this item we could grow in the earth. Hi there, veggie mates. You just heard from this week's special guest. Eileen Godofsky Moreno. I'm your host, Matthew Davey, and this is episode 65 of the Veg Talk podcast. Welcome back to everyone who tunes in weekly, and welcome to the show if this is your first time listening. Today, we are chatting about all things vegan kids from pregnancy all the way to their very first birthday party. There is not much to report on our end this week. Uh, We're getting ready for 2020, eating all of the holiday food on offer and getting outside as much as we can, making new friends along the way as well here in the Pacific Northwest, which has been a heap of fun. So this week and any other week for that matter, Anna and I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, Let us know where you're from, how you found out about the podcast, your favorite episode and whatever else you feel like sharing with us. Last week, I told you about the awesome voice message that we received from Nastasha in Germany. So I'm challenging you to drop by the VegTalk Instagram page and leave us a voice message. We can share the coolest stories over the next couple of weeks with you all. Now, let's shift our focus to this week's episode with Eileen Godofsky Moreno. So a few weeks ago, we received Eileen's new cookbook as a gift. It's called The Colorful Kitchen and is split up into seasonal plant-based dishes. There are some amazing looking recipes and we honestly cannot wait to get stuck into it ourselves. So this led us to planning an episode for the podcast and I think it's one full of great tips for mums and families either looking to adopt a plant-based lifestyle or for people who have already done so. We chat about Eileen's personal health problems growing up, switching to a plant-based lifestyle, vegan pregnancy, kids' birthday parties, and much more. This is a topic that seems to be confusing for many, so I hope this dispels any myths you have heard and inspires you and your family to make some healthy changes in 2020. Enjoy the show, and as always, I'll be chatting with you all on the other side to wrap things up. Today, guys, we're here with Eileen Godofsky-Moreno. She is the author of The Colourful Family Table, which we were lucky enough to get a copy of very recently. So thank you for sending that across and welcome to the show, Eileen. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. Yeah, really, really stoked to have you on. I think we'll be talking about a bunch of points today that we really haven't covered on the show. Uh, Really important to go over. I think a lot of people have just, you know, questions. They're intrigued by pregnancy, by you know, having kids on a plant-based diet, it all seems relatively new uh, to a lot of people. Uh, we know, we know people that have done this a long time ago and they, and they copped uh, a lot of, I suppose, you know, a lot of questions from family members, like as if you're treating your kid like badly by putting them on a plant-based diet as, as children. And, and they really were the, I suppose, the trailblazers in terms of going through, uh, you know, fielding all those questions and having to answer to, to relatives and parents uh, and 
I think you're the next wave of, uh, of parent uh, that are doing it in a time where it's, it's getting a lot more attention online. So I suppose to begin with, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, uh, you know, where you're from, what it was like growing up and, and what was on your table, family table, uh, <laughs> when you were a bit younger. Um, yeah, definitely. So I live in New Jersey now. Um, we just moved out of Brooklyn to a small town where we can commute into the city. So still somewhat New York City life. But I, my family is originally from New York. I grew up in Florida. And the, what was on our table was the complete opposite of the food that I eat now. Um, you know, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, I, we ate what the rest of America was eating, which was mostly fruit, food from a box, from a frozen package, things with a lot of bright colors that aren't natural, um, and stuff that was easy to make and like tasted good, had a lot of salt, had a lot of sugar. And that was, um, you know, what my family ate and what I think a lot of people of my generation's families ate. There just wasn't the awareness of like why we should be eating fresh fruits and vegetables or eating seasonally or focusing on plant-based. But anyways, when I, so I grew up eating that way and I was always a very, very picky kid on top of everything else. I liked really the, the least colorful foods you can think of. I liked like white foods, like potatoes, white bread, chicken nuggets. Um, I didn't want to touch any vegetables. I had a lot of aversions to like textures and flavors that were too strong. But then when I was nine years old, I saw um, a lobster being cooked and, you know, they cooked the lobster like live in a pot of boiling water. And that like really just opened my eyes to, oh my goodness, the food on my plate, that like meat or fish, that was a living animal. And I'm like, okay, I'm done eating meat and eating fish. I'm a vegetarian. And my parents at that time, you know, I don't think we knew any vegetarians, um, but they were supportive, but they they said, okay, what do you want to eat? And I didn't know what I wanted to eat. And it was really like a struggle. And I went back and forth for so many years. I didn't really want to eat meat, but then there wasn't that much for me. And um, even it got to a point where my pediatrician was telling my parents, she has to eat meat. This girl is living off of like grilled cheese sandwiches, which I was still eating dairy and all of that, but it was a different time and it was difficult. But then when I got to college and I was, had the school cafeteria in front of me, it was a salad bar and I sort of started experimenting with all the foods I hadn't tried as I got as when I was younger and different vegetables and sort of opening my mind to the idea of all these colorful foods and then um, I think I was a vegetarian for three or four years before I decided to kind of dive into the world of veganism and thinking about you know the dairy industry and the egg industry and that all started because I was looking for a solution to my health issues um, but once I started eating that way, I really just, I never looked back. I'm sorry, this is a very long winded answer, but I, but my point is since I've been about like 21 years old or so, I've been eating this way. But before that I ate probably the worst food you could imagine. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the same. Yeah. I think it's the way for a lot of people, you know, they, um, they grow up eating these very, I suppose, as you said, like white and brown foods and they, they're not looking to, um, you know, they're not looking to, I suppose, eat a diverse range of colorful vegetables. Like they're the ones that kids are often turned off by. Um, but you, you mentioned that, uh, you were looking to 
to do this for health reasons? Were there any specific health problems that you were experiencing? Yes. So my entire life, I had really bad allergies, like sinus issues, like asthma, all of that is so bad that I would be on three different prescription medications at one time and they made me so drowsy. So I was just like every single day waking up, having difficulty breathing and then being tired on top of it from the medications. And then I also had a stomach ache after every single meal. And a really big part of this I eventually learned was linked to dairy. Um, And that was you know, I'm lactose intolerant as so many people are. And so I never knew what it was like to eat a meal and not feel sick after. So I just thought that was normal. But then the allergy part and having difficulty breathing was what really, um, I just got so fed up with it at a certain point. And so I started brainstorming, you know, the medication isn't working. I've been on this for my entire life. What else is out there? And I had heard about the macrobiotic diet as this friend of a friend of a friend's aunt cured her cancer and it cures everything and it was like really vague. And this was over 10 years ago. So there wasn't as much information on the internet. And if you wanted to find out about this stuff, you went to Barnes and Nobles, you got a book. It wasn't like there wasn't a plethora of information. I think like people know what macrobiotics is now, but at the time it wasn't something that was talked about, at least where I was a college student. So no one was talking about it in my dorm. Um, but I went, I got a book. I went to Whole Foods. I had never been to Whole Foods before. I bought a bunch of ingredients that I had never tried before. I made like a meal that was probably like brown rice, steamed broccoli, like a very boring basic meal. And then I just decided to stick with it. And after a week of eating that way, my stomach problems stopped and I started to feel what it was like to eat a meal and not have a stomachache after. And then by the end of the first month, I was completely able to breathe through my nose, no more sinus problems, no more headaches. And I went off all of my medications and I have not been back on it. That's amazing. That's really cool to hear. I mean, I, I suppose it, it also shows that, uh, you know, a vegetarian diet that we might associate with being, with being healthy uh, is not actually always going to be a healthy option especially if we're eating a lot of dairy like you mentioned grilled cheeses mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that so and those sinus blockages and um you know that feeling i think is associated with the um the intake of dairy into our diet mm-hmm. quite often so to remove that and then feel you know the change just from you know changing diet i, I suppose would have been quite a, a profound experience for you Yeah, it was amazing. I didn't know what it was like to have a full breath in, which sounds so crazy to say. But um, yeah, the dairy, it was like night and day. I felt like a new person. Totally. No, very cool to hear. Very cool to hear. So this change inspired you to, you know, to do this for yourself. Uh, At the time, you were 20, you know, about 21, making the switch to a plant-based diet. How did it evolve uh, later in life, you know, when you started to, I suppose, you know, when you met your husband, when you've, when you've then um, had children as well. Uh, how is that? Yeah. How's, how has the plant-based diet um, shaped your life uh, and your family's life? Right. So I will say the first few years were really challenging for me because like I said, I was eating strictly macrobiotic food, which for those who don't know, it's a very limited diet. It's like cooked grains, cooked vegetables, very little fresh fruit, very little raw vegetables. Um, not much flour. And it's, it's difficult. You like, it, it's very difficult to live your life and be able to go to restaurants and especially being a college student, like it wasn't maintainable. So I sort of 
floated around to different things within the vegan diet umbrella. I tried raw foods. I tried, you know, everything under the sun for a few years and it really consumed my life. But then it kind of got to a point where I started to realize what foods made me feel good, what foods didn't work so well for me. I learned to listen to what I was craving, to go to the market and see what's in season. And I just sort of found this way of eating that was very intuitive, just eating what's in season, what makes me feel good. But it took a few years to figure that out. Um, Luckily, by the time I met my husband, (laughs) I think I was on a pretty good path where I had all of that under control. So it was never really an issue with us. He met me or we met each other and I was already like very into cooking and I had all these great recipes and it was like this really great thing to bring into you know, someone's life where you're dating, as opposed to a few years ago, it was this all consuming issue that I was like really working out a lot. But um, I think people now it's a lot easier just because there's more information out there um, with internet, with the internet, and just with all of the, the popularity of plant based eating. But anyways, um, so when I met Ross, my husband, he used to eat from the burrito cart outside of his, outside of his apartment, five nights a week, and he didn't really cook, he was living like the total bachelor life. We lived in Brooklyn, so he could just get takeout. And he was really open to, he was just so excited to have someone cooking real food for him. I don't think he even like asked what I was making. And he was just really open to trying different things. And um, yeah, so he eats the way I eat. He is not 100% vegan. He will occasionally eat fish if he's craving it. Or um, if someone comes into his office with a plate of cookies that aren't vegan, he doesn't say no. But coming from where he was to where he is now, it's like a major improvement. And there's never been any struggle in our relationship about like me wanting him to commit a hundred percent if he doesn't want to, because that's not going to work. It's a personal choice that you have to make for yourself. So, um, but with our daughters, we have decided that we want to raise them vegan for as long as they're, as long as they're into it. So we're never going to force them to, you know, eat certain foods because like I said before, that's not really healthy in any way, but until they're really old enough to make their own decisions and understand like what animal products are and understand every, like where their food is coming, like from we're all, we're all eating vegan together. And it's just, you know, it's been like a really lovely part of our lives that we all sit down and eat these colorful, great plants together. That is, that's really amazing. I think there's a lot of lessons we can kind of take away from uh, your approach, you know, in terms of, first of all, not forcing uh, this upon someone else. So letting them make their own decisions. And it's really cool to hear about uh, Ross's improvement uh, in terms of the way he's been eating just by you leading by example. What I find really interesting is the dynamic between you guys where, you know, he doesn't have... I suppose the the deep rooted vegan kind of values that you might you know associate with someone that is a hundred percent vegan, where they really do you know fully believe that um, you know it's the right thing for animals, environment, and health, whatever you might associate with. But then you guys agreeing together that you want to raise your children vegan as long as you know. Um, it's it's really cool to hear like if they go off into the world and they decide not to be then you're not going to bring them back and you you can't force anyone to uh, to eat a certain way so yeah how did you guys come to that decision together to uh, to raise them uh, both on a plant-based diet well what you said about 
you know, the deep rooted like reasons for why you might be vegan. For me, it's just, I mean, it's for animals, for the planet, for my own personal health. I feel so strongly about, like you said, all three of those components. But for Russ, I think what has been the most impactful for him is the health aspect. Not that he doesn't care about the other parts, but for him to go from eating like taco truck dinner every night to eating real vegetables and, you know, feeling what it's like to eat the, the good food. He's felt it within himself, how his health has changed. He's, you know, feels so much better than he did before. And so I think he feels very strongly that he wants our girls to have that foundation. The other aspects that maybe I am feeling, you know, for me, I, if a non-vegan cookie goes by me, I can easily say like, no, thank you. I have my reasons for not wanting it. But like I said with him, you know, he'll have it here or there. And I just, you know, the other sides of it don't, I don't know how to say this. Cause I don't want to say he doesn't care, but I think for some people it's easier to look past. They, they don't agree with what's going on and like, the animal agricultural industry, but they can still have the cookie, you know? So anyways, it balances out. I think that the decision for us to raise our girls a certain way was really, he just, he was transformed by eating the way that I eat. And he wants our girls to have that experience as do I. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. So it's just, it's an ongoing conversation though. And as like our older daughter, she's three and a half now and she's starting to ask more questions you know it's this constant evolution of the conversation we're having amongst like between me and ross and then with our girls very cool yeah the yeah i suppose it's not the it's not the lack of care on the other person's behalf i think you're 100 percent correct it's uh when people when people are knowledgeable in terms of what does happen but still have the ability to say, you know, eat that cookie that comes through in the office. Or if there's like a day where it's, it's catered in the office mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, vegan friendly and they're still able to, you know, I suppose bypass what they know and, and just go about eating the meal. It's, it's definitely not a lack of care on their behalf. It's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's old habits, I think, is one thing. It's it's easy to fall back on old habits. Social situations are difficult to mm-hmm. you know to say no when you're not fully comfortable saying no, or if, or if you're not prepared, where you know you didn't bring your own meal. It's it, it can be very difficult. So fully understand um, that aspect of of, of thinking uh, and and action. Uh, the other thing I'd love to get into before we start talking about, you know, I suppose how to bring up kids on a plant-based diet is the actual is pregnancy. So, but before they're even here in the world with us, are there any things that you really needed to take care of, uh, on your side, uh, during the pregnancy phase? Cause I think recently, there has been some stuff in the media. I, I spoke to you off air about like Joe Rogan had a recent conversation. They brought up a, a case where uh, a, a child passed away. I haven't looked into this um, deeply, but it just so happened that this child apparently was on a vegan diet. Obviously the media grabs headlines and goes, you know, this is, uh, you, this is not a safe thing to do, but there's been, you know, numerous studies to show that a plant-based diet is, absolutely 
safe, healthy, health promoting in all phases of life, whether it be um, pregnancy, infancy, uh, you know, uh, childhood, teenagers, and into adult life. It's it's something that we we can do uh, through our whole lifespan. So I'd love to hear from you just a little bit about the pregnancy phase and anything that you would teach to to someone that was looking uh, to do this uh, themselves uh, now or in the future. Um. Yes. Yeah, so I will say I am not a medical professional. Absolutely. Of course. Yep. And people often ask me about very specific recommendations for like which vitamins, which supplements, and that's out of my area of expertise, but I can speak to my personal experience and what, you know, my experience was with my doctors. And when I was pregnant with baby V, that's my older daughter. Um, when we were living in Brooklyn, I had this amazing doctor in New York and I went in and I was a little concerned because I didn't know if she was going to give me a hard time being like, you know, an OBGYN and being pregnant and being vegan. And I knew, I knew I was healthy. Like I've, I know what it feels like to not be healthy and I know what it feels like to be in good health. So I knew I was fine, but I was a little worried about if there would be resistance from her. And I don't know if it's just the area we were in or the type of people at her practice. And she wasn't like a crunchy doctor or anything like that. She was a regular um, OBGYN who delivered at hospitals. And, you know, she had, didn't even blink an eye. She's like, oh, I see vegan patients all the time. It's fine. Take your B12. And I'm like, great. I've been taking B12 for however many years. I'm all set. I had a super healthy pregnancy um, with baby V and with baby L, my second daughter. But what I think is interesting is when we moved from Brooklyn out to the suburbs, we live in an area that is definitely progressive, but there's still some sort of like older habits that you can see and things are, you know, not the same as they were where we lived in Brooklyn. And so our pediatrician here um, was like, oh, your child is vegan. She should go see a nutritionist. And that really took me back because our pediatrician in Brooklyn never, again, like I said, with the OB do it, didn't even blink. They were like, great, we see vegan kids all the time. Take, have them take their B12, you're fine. Um, but that said, you know, there's a difference between a healthy vegan diet that's full of colorful plants, getting enough protein, eating your legumes, all of that stuff, and the junk food vegan. I just as there's the same as, you know, someone who eats a bunch of junk who isn't vegan. You know what I mean? There's, um, you have to do it the right way, but that's the same as any other way of eating. So I'm sorry, I got a little off topic, but um I guess I get a little frustrated when I hear the types of stories of it not being healthy and, you know, your child's not getting what they need because, well, what is it that they need that you're not getting? I'm a healthy individual getting everything I need, eating the way that I eat. And of course, there are different cases and you would want to work with your doctor to make sure that you are in your best state of health. But um, there's nothing extra you really even have to do. You know, you, you have, if you have a healthy body to begin with, like more likely than not, you're going to have a healthy pregnancy. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense to me. It sounds, you know, very logical that, you know, you're the, I suppose the carrier of, of the, the baby. And if, if your body is healthy, getting all the nutrients, vitamins that it needs, then, you know, you're feeding that baby with the with the exact same nutrients and you know you allude to you know vegan doesn't necessarily mean healthy you know right if we're filling our plate with colorful fruits 
vegetables. Um, uh, it's health promoting if we're going to the, you know, the packaged items, Oreos, Coke. You can claim it's vegan, but uh, in reality, it's 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 definitely not a health promoting food. I wouldn't even call it a food. It's a, right. a food like product, I suppose. <laughs> so, you know, getting through, uh, you know, that kind of myth, if you will, that it's, uh, it could be dangerous. You know, it's clearly not. Um, I hope that dispels any myths for any soon to be mothers out there that are looking to do, uh, you know, a plant-based pregnancy. The second one would be, you know, when, when your child is here, and, and arrived, uh, you, you've had a, a you know a healthy a birth yourself. What kind of foods do you begin um, feeding them? Uh, you know when they're when they're born. I imagine it's not much different to someone else who uh, is a, is an omnivore because you know you're not going to be feeding a, a child the the animal products when, when they're born. I would imagine. But if you right, can, well, yeah. most most um, most people recommend that you know the first foods are like soft cooked vegetables like sweet potato or you know fruits like banana and avocado and so um that's not that different but right so all of the first foods are pretty much just soft cooked vegetables um or fruits and then i think it depends on the child and if they're nursing or if they're on formula and where they're at developmentally and some children will still be on that kind of food and mostly be nursing or on formula till they're a year and and some of them when they start food solid food at six months they might take off like my older daughter she was sort of still eating like really mushy foods like when she was over a year she was really into nursing my younger daughter i don't know if it's just being a second child but she sees the older one eating like a bean burrito and she, you know, at like seven months is like taking a bite of the burrito. And it's, I think it really, it's, it varies so much from child to child and just where they're at developmentally. And there's so many factors in that. That's cool. I think that shows that, you know, we really are social beings. We want to be a Mm -hmm. part of, um, you know, a group. We want to be close to, um, our family, our siblings, we want to do what our siblings are doing. I think that's a really cool kind of example uh, of that. Having a, a seven month old that wants to, you know, wants to get into the, to the bean burrito. Whereas your first daughter didn't really have, I suppose that example of someone her age uh, that she's growing up around until obviously her sister comes along, but yeah, there's no example to set. There's no, I suppose, force uh, yeah, bringing you towards those foods. So that's, that's really cool to hear as, as well. I suppose where it does get different is the, you know, the, I suppose as they get older, that's when I suppose our, you know, we would have grown up this way. We would have been introduced to, um, you know, different animal products at some point in our life. Uh, I, I don't, I can't remember when, they when this started happening one of my first memories is actually we used to have chickens in the backyard i would have been about two years old and bringing eggs back from um having you know where the chickens were in the in the coop outside one of my first memories was like dropping an egg at the fridge door Mm. and i remember like you know bursting into tears it was kind of like a traumatic experience but you know at some point i would have started consuming eggs i would have started consuming cheese and and meat uh, and I did that until I was 26 years old. So uh, where does it differ 
you know, to a, a typical um, upbringing, when, you know, we start getting on more solid foods, how do you get your, your toddler or your, you know, your young child to really get into those health promoting, colorful fruits and vegetables that we probably didn't love so much, you know, when we were younger? Right. So, well, the, the introduction of meat and dairy is actually a lot earlier than like you might think. I mean, they usually like the first foods might be a banana or whatever, but once like they have the, the gist of chewing, I think, you know, maybe a hard boiled egg, seven, eight months, it's, you know, it's introduced pretty early on, even meat, you know, like in small pieces and all of that, that's, you know, well before a year oftentimes. Um, but so my big thing, you kind of touched on it, the leading by example, and like my younger daughter seeing her older sister eating a carrot, like she's going to want to grab that carrot. And if your child doesn't have an older sibling, like a sibling is great because they always want to do what the older sibling is doing. But if you don't, if they're your first, you know, just eating with them and them seeing you, you know, gr- how, how you eat, how you grab it from the plate, put it in your mouth, how you chew it, all of that, they're watching you and learning from you and they want to do what you're doing. So sitting down as a family to eat a meal is the biggest thing you can do. And I think a lot of people don't do this from day one with the food because the baby's in their high chair. You're doing a thousand things because you're a new parent. You don't have necessarily feel like you have the time to sit down. It's easier just to put the plate and like fold the laundry. But if you can take five minutes just to sit down and eat with your child and have them watch you eat, that's how they learn. And that helps them instill a really healthy habit from the beginning. And then of course, family meals, as much as is possible for a family, you know, indefinitely, but, um, back to, you know, having them learn about real food versus not so real food when they're getting used to the real, the tape, the how sweet, like a real apple is versus a apple flavored fruit snack or something, making sure that they're introduced to a variety of flavors as as soon as they're able to eat different foods as they get older, I think that's really key and getting their palate used to it and the different textures. And of course there's going to be times where they don't want something or, you know, kids have different levels of how open to trying different foods they are, but continuing to offer it to them and always having a variety of things for them to try. And even if they act like they don't want it one day to continue to offer it, Um, And if they don't want it, that's fine. But having it be available and having them go for it at their own pace is also really important. Cool. No, I mean, that's really all, that's super helpful. Um, I suppose, again, to to be really honest, it, it doesn't sound as difficult as we might build it up in our heads to be. You know, they're young. and if they grow up not really knowing any other way, then, you know, you, you are able to teach them about uh, these, you know, real foods rather than, you know, as you said, like an apple sauce compared to a real apple, something like that. Uh, so from that aspect, it doesn't sound as difficult as I might have built it up in my head to be. What about for a mother that, um, you know, has already she's already had a couple of kids. They grew up omnivores, the family's omnivore, but they're actually starting to make the switch. So, you know, mum or dad or both of them have decided that, Hey, we're going to go towards a plant-based diet. Now, uh, the kids might be, yeah, 
go ahead. No, go ahead. I think oh. you fully, you, you fully <laughs> understand where I'm going with this. So please go I'm ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, it's um, all good. I, I think like you said, it's not that difficult because our kids should eat what we're eating. I mean, we modify it if they, you know, your one-year-old doesn't have that many teeth, they can't chew everything. But for the most part, like I don't believe in cooking multiple meals. So the kids are eating what you're eating. And if you're eating plant-based food, that's what they grow up knowing. It's only when they get a little bit older and they're maybe in preschool or they see what their friends are eating where it's like, why is so-and-so eating something different than what I'm eating? But that's a little bit of a different story. What you were asking about, you know, already having kids and then making the switch. I think one way that can be really helpful to get the whole family on board, it, and this sounds simple, but I think as parents, we get so busy that we don't make the time to do this, is to involve the kids in our cooking. So Instead of, let's say your family loves mac and cheese from a box, like the craft dairy kind, but you decide you want to try a plant-based version. Um, for instance, I have a sweet potato mac and cheese recipe where the sweet potato is the base. With the kid, I might bring my child who loves the craft mac and cheese to the farmer's market, let them pick out like a really funky looking sweet potato, and then like go home, have them make it like their special project and make the sweet potato sauce together. And just getting your child involved in the cooking, it's, it's fun for them. They'll feel a sense of empowerment and it's educational. And they're going to be so much more likely to want to try something new if they have a literally have a hand in making it. Um, and trying small swaps a little bit, you know, maybe they don't like that. Okay. So maybe you try something else, but I think sticking with it, and continuing to make small changes over time can be really major. I think you hit a, f a number of really good points there. So I suppose, first of all, identifying the foods that they already like, making the plant-based version of that, but then adding an extra level to it where they're actually learning something new. So they're able to uh, you know, and the empowerment, I think that like having ownership over, you know, a little project is, is really important for little kids as well. It's, um, it's, it's going to make them more likely to, to enjoy the meal. They get to see it from start to finish. Um, mm. and they feel like it was, you know, it was theirs as opposed to uh, mom or dad saying here where we're switching, here's something healthy, you know, you've got to eat it. Uh, so, right. yeah, a number of very, very good, uh, points. Um, I think, yeah, I think they're really helpful, especially for someone that is looking, uh, to make the switch, you know, later in life, uh, rather than, rather than from, uh, from the beginning. So have you like, have you come across any, any really difficult cases, like any challenging, uh, you know, parents that come to you and say like, look, my, my child is just really having a hard time making the switch. Like they're very used to the chicken nuggets and the white rice. Have you come across any of those cases where you are able to help someone else or you have any tips for someone that is having like a really challenging time? Well, I think one thing that like a lot of people have mentioned to me that is so difficult are the birthday parties. Because once your kid hits like three years old, they're in, if they're in preschool, they're going to be at a birthday party every single weekend. And the birthday parties are usually filled with cakes, cupcakes, pizza, all of that stuff. Um, and that's where I think a lot of people have a hard time because especially if your kid, if you've recently switched to being vegan and they're used to just eating whatever is at the party, 
having to, you know, if you bring your own cupcake or whatever, that can be a little bit difficult. But um, so what, I can tell you what I do that for with the birthday parties that's worked for us and a lot of, and I think it's helped a lot of other people that I've spoken to about it um, is we with baby V who's like at a birthday party every single weekend, we make her special vegan cupcake and she, she's so into cooking and she, and cause she likes to do what I do. And so she always wants to cook with me. So we will make a cupcake. She'll be in charge of putting the icing on it. She has her little thing of sprinkles. She puts it, puts the sprinkles on top. She puts it in her Tupperware and she is so excited to have that cupcake. If you, a three-year-old sees like a sweet, they're not going to forget about it. So she's like, she sees it. She doesn't get to eat it yet, but she makes it, she brings it to the party. And so far, you know, she's just so excited to have her cupcake. And I think having them, having it be like a special thing. And I think what works for some people, if their child doesn't want to be different, which for me with baby V right now, it's not so much of an issue. But if you're feeling that way, I think getting in touch with the parents of whoever's party it is, and saying like, you know, our family is trying out this new thing. Can I bring like a delicious batch of vegan cupcakes to the party? And having it be, you know, you come with 20 cupcakes instead of one. It might be a little bit more work for you up front, but then getting your child used to, you know, having their friends try the cupcake and the friends thinking it tastes good as well is sort of like social proof for them. And with a little bit of an older child, I think that can work a little bit better. But just turning it into something fun instead of like, oh, we have to go bring our own food to the party, but making it like we have this awesome cupcake, whatever is their favorite, make it their favorite. It's this amazing thing. It's so great. It's going to work a lot better than being like, oh, let's bring your like weird vegan treat. <laughs> totally. That's really cool. I think it's hits on some of the points that you were talking about before in terms of like making it fun, getting them involved, giving them some sort of empowerment over like, you know, this is their little project uh, that they get to take ownership of. But then in, in addition to that, on, on more on the, on the parent side, um, I suppose understanding the social situation and how that would be very, very difficult to, for a child to, in, in the first place, say, no to like you know cake being offered like of course they're going to want to get involved in that um and then secondly the preparation and the communication so like communication with the parents that are hosting the the event i i i would imagine that would be would be kind of important as well that mm -hmm. you know baby v is going to be bringing a you know her own cupcake um, I don't know. I would like her to just only eat that cupcake if possible. Um, that would be really cool. I hope that's okay. And, and that you don't mind. Uh, and then, uh, the second thing, obviously the preparation and, uh, you know, giving your daughter or son, uh, the, uh, I suppose the tools, you know, they go in with this cupcake, they're not going to feel left out. They're prepared to go into that situation. And I was thinking, you know, back to, how that that applies not only to to children mm -hmm. it does not just apply to we can apply that to our own lives if we're making the switch i remember when i'm you know i'm 26 old 26 years old uh when i went vegan and um obviously at that point we've got a lot of habits ingrained in our kind of daily actions and activities uh social settings we're very used to you know just eating whatever presents itself and preparation really was the key for me. 
you know, preparing meals for the week to take into the office. Cause I, I just saw that as the downfall. I saw that as if I wasn't prepared, well, I'd either be eating the catered meal that comes in once a week, which is not vegan friendly 90% of the time, 99% of the time, or I'd be going out for lunch if I'm not prepared. And, you know, if I'm not prepared and I'm not familiar with where the vegan options are uh, in the city, when you're, when you're new to this, well, then you're going to fall back on old habits. So although it's very handy for kids, I do think that we can kind of apply some of that mentality to our, to our own lives when making the switch as well, if, if that's what we're looking to do. Definitely. And I mean, when I talk about kids strategies in any sense, it's really just what we do as adults. And that's sort of the whole thing. Um, you know, kids are little people and we all need to eat. And it's really, it is really all the same. I don't want to go to a party that has nothing for me to eat. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring a delicious vegan dish that everyone can try. So I'll have something to eat and then other people can try it too. So it's really no different. Totally. Yeah. We treat, sometimes I think, you know, we treat kids as if they are, you know, not little people. Like, as mm-hmm. if, uh, I don't know. It's, um, it's strange. I've definitely spoken to other families. I don't know if you follow uh, Married to Health. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, they're, they're really cool. James and Dahlia, they're, they're down near like the OC area, California. Uh, I definitely recommend you uh, okay. check, check them out. They've got a little, little girl and, you know, she's, she's awesome. She gets in the kitchen, just as you're saying, gets in the kitchen, does the, helps with the grocery shopping, really, really loves the lifestyle, um, which, is, which is really cool. And they don't treat her you know, any different, uh, they would treat, uh, you know, you or I. So it's, yeah, kids just want to be involved. They just want to do, they don't want to be treated like a kid. And so it makes so much sense. But yeah. That's, I'm, I'm excited to check them out. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll definitely send you that after the show and, Great. um, you can, you can check them out. I'd love to get into the cookbook. So for everyone at home, we got sent a copy of Eileen's new cookbook and yeah, thank you very much. It's called the colorful family table. And it's, as you'd expect, it's full of color, full of amazing vegan recipes. Uh, and what I liked about it was how it's the chapters are in, in seasonal chapters. Um, I like that it starts with fall, you know, where we're currently kind of, you're on the East coast. So you might, you might be arguing a different story, but it definitely feels like fall here on the West coast. I saw you guys got some snow recently. So yeah, it feels um, like winter here already. It feels like winter already. So you're yeah. probably getting into chapter two, but um, I'd love to hear a little bit about the inspiration behind the cookbook. Uh, you know, what, you know, what got you uh, to, to create it? Maybe the ideas behind why you wanted to, to chop it up into, into seasonal foods. Uh, yeah, fire away. Let us, let us know about the book. Sure. So my first cookbook, The Colorful Kitchen, came out two years ago. And after it came out, I started noticing that most of the messages and emails and comments I was getting about the book were from parents talking about making recipes from the book and how they appreciated that the recipes were simple, easy to make, familiar ingredients, and that their kids were enjoying them. And I was also, uh, Baby B was, I think maybe about a year and a half. So she was like really starting to eat a lot more food. And just the idea of like, well, what am I going to cook for my family? Like there's another person, there's three of us now, we really need to be prepared. And just hearing what people were getting from my first book, 
and what I was going through in my own life. It was just, it, there is, it was so aligned that the next book would be like family friendly. And if I'm being honest, the recipes aren't, I mean, what's a family friendly recipe? It's something that you can make quickly on a weeknight when everyone's hungry after soccer practice or whatever, familiar ingredients, comfort food, filling stuff, like not wimpy salads, not, you know, real meals that the family can sit at the table together with. And so I just started thinking, well, what, like, you know, what is working for my family and what do I kind of need to leave at the back door? And the main aspect of how my family, how we design our menu and what we're going to eat is really just what's in season at the market. And it all comes back to getting in touch with where your food comes from and how it's grown. And if we want the next generation to be healthier than ours, they need to get back in touch with the roots of where food comes from. And I think, you know, when we were growing up or anyone, you know, for the past 50 years in America, we were very out of touch with our food. Well, like I said before, I grew up with thinking food came from a box or a plastic bag. And I didn't really think of it as this item we could grow in the earth. And I had no idea about, you know, a permaculture and how to live with the seasons as opposed to just having everything we want all the time and not getting all the nutrients and all of that. But anyways, I kind of went through all of these thoughts and I came up with what I think are simple recipes that utilize the best, the whatever season, whatever food is in season for each time of the year. And there, the recipes are just meant to help us feel our best at different times of the year and to be colorful and simple and something that kids and omnivores and just everyone will like, you don't have to be vegan to eat a vegan meal. Right. Totally. Exactly. I mean, no, you don't. And, and non-vegans without noticing would be eating vegan meals a lot, you know, mm-hmm. or, or a, a large portion of their meal would be vegan. We've heard, we've heard friends of ours, you know, that are well and truly adults that have said, oh, I don't like vegan food. <laughs> and we're like, do you eat fruits? You know, do you eat vegetables? Like that is you know, the crux of what we're eating, like obviously add grains, which they're probably consuming as well. It's just leaving a couple of items off the plate um, and getting in touch with, I suppose, as you referred to, like getting back in touch with, you know, real food, going to the market. When you go to the market, you are then automatically opened up to seasonal foods because that's what's going to be available forces you to get creative in the kitchen. You know, what can I make uh, throughout the year that's uh, it's going to be, you know, delicious. It's going to be filling. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool way to, uh, to get back into to real food. If you've got a garden, I mean, I think that's one thing I would love in the future is just to, to grow some of our own food. It's, there's something really cool about that, you know, seeing it grow from a seed to a a plant, harvesting it uh, and taking it literally from your backyard to the kitchen. Um, And I imagine for a child, if they were to grow up with that, uh, that would be a pretty cool experience. Um, Yeah. So we just started our garden this past, since we now live in the suburbs and we have the land, we just started a garden this summer and it was, 
life-changing for baby V. And I think for us, it was just such an incredible experience for her to be able to put a seed in the ground, water it a couple times a week, see it grow, pick it, bring it to the, I mean, go from start to finish of where it comes from. I think that just made the biggest impact. So that's one thing I always talk about with people. If you don't have the space for a garden and you want your children to learn about real food, you can get a potted plant, get a potted tomato plant, or just one thing, one little project you could do, or even do like um, like um, sprout seeds or make micro greens or something like that. Because being out in the dirt, getting our hands in the dirt and just growing food that's completely organic and every day we go out and check on it and just really feeling in tune with mother nature in that way was so big for our family and we're so looking forward to the next gardening season and to continue you know growing literally growing as a family and continuing to grow food from our backyard and have it go straight to the table that's been something that I felt like the natural next step for me in my food journey and being able to give my children the experience of seeing food grow right at our own home, I think is really impactful. And I, and I wish that for everyone. Yeah, without a doubt, it, you know, it might sound cheesy to some, but without a doubt, it's just the connection to your food is on a different level. I wouldn't even compare it to going to the supermarket. You know, it's, it's on a completely different level. As you said, you've got connection with it from day one where you plant the seed to the care that you put into to growing it to the day that you uh, would harvest that food and bring it into the kitchen. Yeah. The connection is, is just on a, yeah, a different level rather than, you know, we go, we, we do this pretty mindlessly now, don't we? You know, Mm -hmm. park park the car at the supermarket and yeah we we go to the supermarket park the car go in and it's just a it's a list pull it off the shelf pay for it home um yeah there's very little thinking involved um where it comes from uh you know where it might have been grown did it have to fly here uh you know, I think that's something we're going to have to, veganism is great. I think it's a great step into creating a healthier planet. I think it's a great step in creating, um, you know, healthier people. Um, it's obviously far more beneficial to those animals that are exploited, uh, for, for food in, in, in the modern day system, but the next level, I think we're going to be talking a lot more about food waste. We're going to be talking about planting food in our own gardens if we have the capability of doing so as you said it's it's harder when you're in an apartment in 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 the city as opposed to in the suburbs um and then soil health all that kind of stuff how soil health promotes healthier food i mean it all sounds very logical i think when we talk about it uh, but the fact is we're not really doing it we're not acting on it right now so it's awesome to hear that you've kind of taking the next step and you're using that, uh, that suburban land, uh, to good use. I think the kids are gonna, they're gonna love that. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said. And I think that there is a growing movement of people going back to, to eating the way that we ate for all of time before things, before the past few hundred years. I mean, if you wanted the food, you grew it yourself or someone you knew grew it. And now when we're having food flown to us from different countries, and I mean, on one hand, it's amazing. We can have anything we want at any time that we want it. But 
like, do we need that? Not necessarily. And just in the, the carbon footprint of like going out to my backyard and grabbing a head of lettuce versus one that's coming from who knows where and all the packaging involved. And I just think that, you know, there people are sort of waking up to great. Organic is great. Vegan is great. But like, what's one step further because you know, things need to change the way they are. And I'm not saying we grow everything. I mean, we have this year alone, we just had, you know, a couple of plants. It was, it was not the majority of our food still came from the farmer's market and the supermarket, but it was a small step that, you know, we're hoping to go a little bit bigger next year and the following year. And I think just any little bit does really help. That's of the mindset that, you know, is that often is the mindset I've seen on social media, um, posting about, you know, veganism and even just trying veganism, you know, not necessarily adopting a fully plant-based diet, but I have received comments before, literally, you know, you as an individual, you will not change the world or you will not be making a contribution that is worthwhile. And if we get stuck into that mindset, it might inhibit us from planting kale, shard and tomatoes okay, yeah, it might not be a huge, huge individual difference, but the act of doing that, talking about it, having other people involved, having children involved in the process, it spreads, you know, it it really spreads the message. It it might inspire others. Um, It might inspire others to stop buying their avocados from Mexico during the week and get Californian if you're on the West coast, if you're on the East coast, maybe people won't buy avocados when they're not in season, something like that. All these small steps I think are really important. So yeah, the fact that you referred to, you know, we don't grow all our food. So what, you know, you're, you're growing food. I think it's the steps that, as you said before, we need to change because whatever we've done between, you know, say 1920 and 2019, whatever we've done, whatever we've changed in that time has not been uh, conducive to a healthy planet, uh, a healthy uh, population. It's definitely not conducive to, uh, to being fair on, you know, the animals that we, uh, we exist with on, on the planet. So yeah, I love, I love that you're doing it. I think before we go, as we're kind of like in the holiday season, well and truly now, you know, we've just had Thanksgiving here in America. We've got Christmas coming up. People are having Friendsgivings uh, and getting together for the holiday, the holiday season. It can often be, you know, a tricky thing for, for people. Uh, that's where the social element really does come into it, uh, where you might feel pulled towards diving into something that you really don't want to eat, but you don't want to put up with the, I suppose, the the arguments or the the difficult conversations with, with family members or friends. So are there any tips for people that are, you know, that are going through that right now? Um, and any, any tips for, for easy swaps, uh, in, in, you know, in the holiday period in terms of, uh, yeah, switching out traditional, traditional foods, traditional, um, recipes for, for plant-based ones. Right. I do think the holidays can be a very difficult time for that because we're with family and maybe if we're trying out a new way of eating and we're not eating grandma's turkey that she's been making for the past 50 years, we don't 
want to upset people. But I do think the easiest solution is to just make a delicious meal. You don't have to make a big production about this is vegan. It's going to be healthy for you. We're not, I'm not eating this and that and whatever. If, if you don't think it's going to land on receptive ears, just make something that looks delicious and bring it to the meal. And people are going to want to eat it if it looks good. And that's the whole thing going back to like a colorful dish. No one's going to say no to a colorful dish. And so make something like a big batch of roasted vegetables and get beets and carrots and, ev- and get all the different colors in there. People are going to want to eat it. And bring, so bring something that can speak for itself. And if they have questions about it, maybe you could say something like, oh, well, I'm trying out this new plant-based thing. And if you have family that's already receptive, sometimes people want to be on board, but they just don't know what to make. So grab a cookbook, pick out a couple recipes and suggest them to your family or whatever. And maybe say, let's, wouldn't it be like fun if we all tried one plant-based meal? And worst comes to worst, just pack a few granola bars in your purse. <laughs> so if you find yourself at a holiday party and you're, you know, you're starting to get a little hungry, you have something, at least something with you. If you don't have time, I know not everyone has time to make something, whatever. Just make sure you're not hungry. Eat before the party. Don't fill up on drinks and, you know, be hungry and drunk and, you know, want to go home and eat a million vegan cookies. Just like take care of yourself. And then the holiday season will be over soon. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, it's it's a spectrum. People are people are really on different, uh, different ends of the spectrum. They're dotted along it, uh, depending on their own journeys, their social circles, their family. So it really is kind of like just catering to your own needs. Uh, we've been kind of lucky, like from our experience, we've been lucky in terms of our families live overseas. My family live in Australia. Anna's family live in Mexico. So the holiday season really, we spend it often together. So, you know, I can't really, I'm, I'm not really good at giving tips on, um, you know, navigating that experience. Um, but I, referring to what you were talking about before, a lot of the sides, the side dishes are often plant-based. Uh, the traditional versions might include, you know, dairy butter um, or, you know, small bits of other animal products, but they're heavily plant-based traditionally, like your mashed mm-hmm. potatoes, your green beans, um, you know, that stuff is really easy to make delicious, number one. Um, and then, you, you, you know, you've got Miyoko's butter, for example, right now, you don't have to go out and get uh, dairy butter finding people online that have created uh, or have cookbooks, you know, that are, that are really good for, uh, for holiday season dishes and just follow a recipe. Uh, You know, it's going to be delicious and you'll be confident in taking it to someone's house that isn't uh, fully plant-based. And then, yeah, maybe a few, a few granola bars uh, (laughs) might help you out or I don't know, this was in the freezer. (laughs) <laughs> cook your own, cook your own tofurkey roast and and bring it with you. Because I tell you what, they're they're not bad. They're not a bad substitute. I think um, for you know for the real thing, if you if you are in like a little bit of a pinch, um, it's it's quite easy to to sub you know for a brand that makes some kind of holiday roast. Uh, if you are mm-hmm. really if you are really looking to make something quickly 
you know, and and you need to to bring something so you don't have to bring like a cliff bar. <laughs> you can find a vegan version of any sort of meat or cheese or anything. It might not be the most colorful, nutritious meal of your life, but it'll get the job done. And there's the options are so plentiful now. If you are nostalgic for anything from your childhood, you can find a vegan version. And I think that's like something to be said for, you know, living in this day and age, as opposed to even five, 10 years ago when you were looking for plant-based options. Absolutely. We are, you know, we are in a completely different time. I think people that went plant-based, you know, a, a long time ago, I think they're, they're well and truly and, I can understand it jealous of the the age we're living in now where it's really taking off. It's, um, it's not so much of a, Oh no, a surprise to people. It's like, Oh yeah, I've heard about that before. Um, right. I, I, I might be trying to do it myself. I might be trying to eat less meat or include, uh, more real food. So yeah, we are in a really cool time. Um, and guys, if you are able to, to go and check out Eileen, sorry, um, go and go and find her. Uh, the, the colorful family table is the, the second cookbook. The first one is the colorful kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where can we find you online? Uh, the colorful kitchen.com yep. and at the colorful kitchen on social media. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, uh, Eileen, it's been a, a huge learning experience for me today. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed, learning you know about the the ins and outs of of pregnancy and and raising kids and and how to you know how to do it in a way that they're really going to enjoy uh i think it's it's really helpful uh, for people out there that are looking to have families or have families right now and and making the switch and uh, we can't wait to get into to your cookbook we've we've both had a look uh through through all the recipes and I don't know, mouth starts to water and we, we just want to get stuck in. So I think we'll start in the fall chapter and uh, as the year goes on, we'll be, we'll be posting about it ourselves. So look out for them on, on our channel and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be tagging you. But thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're busy with the, with the release of the cookbook and, and talking to a, to a lot of people. So thank you for taking the time and yeah, thank you for teaching us yeah, about things that, are super important now and also that that needs more awareness um because of the 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 numbers and the demand of of people looking to do exactly what you've done and they're a bit nervous about about taking that on so yeah a big thank you to you great thank you so much for having me this was so great i hope it's i hope it's helpful for listeners Oh, I'd say without a doubt. I, th- I think you've, in- you've inspired me and uh, yeah, we're one day going to be having a family of our own. So, um, you know, we'll be able to look back on this conversation and, and, and pluck out some of the, uh, the awesome tips that you, you've given us. So thank you, Eileen, for, for coming on the show. Thank you. Cheers. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Veg Talk. This was a really fun one and a topic I had very little knowledge about going into the show. So a big thank you to Eileen for taking time out of her day to join us and for sharing her knowledge and experiences on the topic of plant-based families and kids. If you enjoyed today's show or any other episode, we'd love to hear from you. So please help us out by leaving a review and rating through the Apple Podcast application on iPhone or desktop 
and let us know what you think of the show. Next week, we'll be chatting with a pioneer of vegan pizza and restaurant owner, Rutilio Medina. His shop, Rudy's, is very well known here in Portland. We're going to be chatting about implementing vegan menus, how it's been for their business, and also some history behind the shop. Until then, keep it plant-based, get outside, move your body, and have a great week.